Hey everybody out there. Time for another edition of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And this is going to be a good episode. I'm talking some DC anthology. The Unexpected, number 169 from uh, 1975. Real good issue. It's got uh, three stories in it. Really awesome cover. And I've got a super awesome guest as well. Uh, Jeremiah Jones Goldstein is here with me. And uh, we're talking some uh, DC horror. So stay tuned. And uh, right after a quick break, uh, he and I will be in. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. to the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. Uh, I have something really cool this time out for a while now, and ever since I started this show, I wanted to get into some anthology horror books, and specifically the DC anthologies from the 1970s. Uh, to my knowledge, there's nobody covering these on the regular out here in the uh, podcastosphere uh, since uh, Ryan Daly uh, uh, shut down Midnight the Podcasting Hour. He was covering a lot of these on that, and that's really what got me super pumped to read them and then talk about them now. So uh, I have a guest here, and we are going to be talking about one of these anthology books. But uh, first things first, I want to uh, introduce a uh, sometime collaborator of mine here uh, on the Magazines and Monsters Network, Jeremiah Jones Goldstein. How are you, man? I'm well tonight. How are you? I am fantastic. So you and I have talked a couple of times, and we're going to talk a few times some more. And one of the things we're going to focus on is some of these DC anthology stories. And until I started getting into these, a lot of the writers and artists that were mainstays on some of these books, I had never even heard of or seen before. So their stuff was brand new to me, and I just thought it was fantastic stuff uh, overall. Of course, you know, there's varying degrees of quality on everything from one comic to another. But just overall, big picture with these books, you know, House of Secrets, House of Mystery, Unexpected, you know, Witching Hour, all of them. I thought they were really well put together books. How about you? I agree. And like you said, even when I pull these out of bins nowadays, because I didn't read these as a kid, um, the names on them are not necessarily names I recognize or 
you know, I, 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 I will after I read a few issues here and there. Um, but as far as the anthologies go, I, I just love them. Yeah, they're super, super cool. And, and you know, we're, you and I are going to be talking about uh, The Unexpected, number 169, from cover date October 1975. And this has a cover by one of these names that I did not know until I started reading these DC anthologies. And that's Luis Dominguez. And he's somebody that I've really come to like from his work on these books because I think his style is perfect for them. Uh, what are your thoughts? I I agree. He's he's not somebody I know, um, but like this cover and some of the other ones I've seen, top notch stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. One of the things I like about these books, um, and it was like kind of the same with like the Warren magazines and things. There's mm-hmm. a lot of detail. The, these aren't these aren't books that have like no backgrounds and things like that. There's a there's a lot of background work. There's a lot of detail work. There's there's heavy lines in them generally speaking mm-hmm. so there's a lot of a lot to take in you know and with this cover there's a lot to take in um so i i really dig it yeah this cover is really cool what we have is uh you know the the masthead up there unexpected dc comics you know and all that jazz and then it says have you the nerve to face the unexpected and it's really spooky you know lettering and then the scene is basically two kids uh going into like an attic and the little boy is kind of leading the way and he says, don't be afraid. Nobody will ever find us up here. And the little girl that's coming up, uh, you know, the attic steps behind him kind of has a full view of what looks to be <laughs> like some kind of insane coffin or something. And there are these uh, skeletal hands reaching out for them, which looks really, really super cool. Yeah. And it it's weird because it's, it's a coffin in the attic. But I mean, the kid's got an oil lamp. Um, the, the glow, there's a glow to the cover, um, around the lamp and at like everything else in the background, you can identify it. Like there's an old mannequin and a radio, but it's like an old attic. It's, it's dark. There's cobwebs all over. Um, but yeah, the look on the girl's face where she can see those hands is it's priceless. Yeah. And the, one of the first couple of times I looked at this cover as well, you know, the, the, what catches your eye is obviously the kids, the oil lamp, and then this crazy casket or whatever it is. But there is a lot of detail in this. I mean, mm-hmm. to the bottom left-hand corner, there are some books there, and there's cobwebs on them. And back behind the kids, when you look behind them, there's like an old radio, like part of like a – not a mannequin. I'm not sure what the actual term is for that. It, but. It's, a, it's a dressmaker uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a like you said, there's a lot of detail. Like even behind the word unexpected, if you look in between the letters, you know, you can see parts of the roof line of this house that they're in and everything. It's Mm -hmm. really, really good, like top quality stuff. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's there's a lot to look at. I mean, just if you were a little kid, you know, on on the looking at this on the spinner rack, I don't know how this doesn't grab you. You know, yeah, you could you could look at this picture for. And say, oh wow, this is really something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the only not this issue specifically, but one of the only small nitpicks I would throw at some of their anthology titles is sometimes they had a bad habit of trying to list or name every story in the book on the cover. Now, this one does do that, but they're at the bottom on these, like you know, uh, paper scroll type things at the bottom. It doesn't really take much away from this cover, but every once in a while, some of their covers, 
you know, it would have some of the books would have three, four, five stories in them. And they have all these, you know, blurbs jammed onto the cover, which I felt sometimes can take away from, you know, the scare part of the cover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this one, I mean, it's got the big masthead at the top with the, the unexpected, the DC logo um, and the date, and then another unexpected logo in the big letters. So yeah, there, there's a lot of trade dress on the cover for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But again, I love it. And like I said, yeah. Luis Dominguez, he's one of these guys that I have grown to love and have a huge appreciation for his output. And I don't have a ton of comics where he did interior work, but he did a crap load of covers for these uh, DC uh, horror books in the 70s. I mean, like a ton. Very cool. Yeah, but it does say, you know, like I said, it does list on the cover here. You know, the three stories we're going to be uh, covering in here. It's uh, what can be worse than dying and then how ugly the face of death. And then finally, five miles to midnight. And again, they're they're varying degrees of quality. I think the art holds up in all three of them. The stories are pretty good, too. You know, I think uh, there's one that's my favorite. And I really, really rack my brain to think to myself, okay, why is it your favorite? And I was having a difficult time uh, putting into words why it is my favorite. But maybe when you and I are talking about it here and going through it, it'll it'll pop into my head. I'll have an epiphany here. But there's one that does stand out to me as being better than the other two. But I just couldn't figure out for the life of me why that was. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see now because I, I think two out of these three are really quite good. And one is just so-so. So, so. <laughs> so that, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how we line up on this. All right. So, yeah, we'll get right into this here. So the first story is uh, What Can Be Worse Than Dying? And this is a uh, seven-page story, and it's written by George Cashton. And the artwork, you know, pencils and inks, is by Ruben Yandok. And that's a guy that I did know before I read any DC because he also did some Marvel work as well. I'm pretty sure he is the guy that was the artist on the first couple of issues that had uh, Marvel's uh, version of the Scarecrow in their uh, in their comics in the 70s. I can't remember. Was it Dead of Night maybe was one of them? Um, I'm trying to think uh, of what the other ones are. I'm, I'm not sure myself. But yeah, he was definitely the artist because I remember seeing that name. Like sometimes he'll sign it. You know, his name's Ruben Yandok. And sometimes he'll sign it Ruben Y. And like all as one word. <laughs> so it looks like Rubenny. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it took me a while to figure out who that guy was. So I'm like, what kind of a crazy name is that? But he was just basically saying Ruben Y. But uh, and then it's interesting uh, on the, you know, uh, comics.org. It says the colors are by Elizabeth Safian. I had never heard that name before in my life. Never seen it before in any comic or any comics credit anywhere. So I don't know if that's just like a. You know, a, a, a real you know, woman's name or it was a, a fake name or what's going on here. Have you ever heard of that name? I have not. It, I almost wonder, was it a pen name somebody used? They were doing mm -hmm. some work, that kind of thing. Or is it somebody screwed up when they were doing that update on <laughs> comics.org? <laughs> yeah, which is true. You know, hey, people make mistakes. It's it's you know, you go to any site, you can usually find some mistakes. But yeah, that was bizarre. Like. Who is this? I've never heard of this woman before, but okay. So yeah, so this is a really good one here. So, you know, these are short stories. So I'm going to do like, just like a quick little synopsis. That's like one sentence here, just so we can get into talking about it. Cause if you do more than that, you're basically telling the whole story. Cause again, they're, they're it's an anthology title. They're, they're very short stories. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, 
In this one, uh, Matt Halstead, a rich oil field owner, blows up his own oil fields for the insurance money and tries to put the blame on one of his workers named Reza. So, okay, that kind of pretty much is what goes on in this story. But, you know, going through it uh, page by page here is, you know, a lot more going on. And how about this opening page here? You get the old, you know, uh, what can be worse than dying at the very top and an interesting page of artwork here. And then there's also a, uh, a caption at the top there, too. It says, with the cries of the bloodied and maimed still echoing in his brain, Matt Halstead thought he was safe from punishment. But a far greater retribution awaited the man who caused this carnage when he learned what can be worse than dying. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on this opening page? It, there's, a, there's a lot of information here. There's a lot of dialogue. Um, and, it, you know, because it's a short story, it, 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 I don't think they waste time with splash pages. And, and, you know, they've got to do a lot of setup and be able to tell something interesting and you know with limited space so there's a lot to read here but it's Mm -hmm. a nice intro you you get everything that's going on and the um the exposition's done through dialogue and it works just right and you know the look on the guy's face when he sees uh razor with you know half a leg his arms chopped off i mean it is it's intense for sure i mean there's fire in every panel Mm mm-hmm um, yeah. So yeah, you, you know exactly what's going on, um, and it, it's just it's a good intro. Yeah, it really is. And I just assumed that in this you know explosion and accident, that's how this guy you know lost his uh, uh, arm and leg. But that's not quite what happened. He uh, yep. tells Halstead here. He goes, "You are shocked. This is how punishment is melted is meted out in my land." For each of the three workers who were injured, a piece of my body was destroyed. So because he got blamed for this accident and three workers got hurt, I'm assuming the rest of the workers took an arm, took a leg, and took an eye off of this guy. It's like, wow, holy crap. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I was that, like, Whoa. It, some real retribution being uh, uh, exacted on this poor dude. Yeah, this poor guy. Because, again, we're going to find out, you know, you know it's like. Uh, later, you know, back when he's alone with his thoughts, we see our buddy uh, Halstead here says that uh, he uh, did blow up his own oil fields because they were basically out of oil. So he was going to be screwed and not have any money. So he blew him up to get the insurance money. And, you know, this poor guy kind of got caught in the middle. He made him the, the fall guy here. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he he puts a curse on him and he tells him this is that is the curse I place upon you, you know, for betraying me. So he, he curses the guy that curses Halstead and says, you know, something bad's going to happen to you. So, you know, you know how these comics work. Most people do. That's what's yep. going to happen. This guy's going to get it. So he goes back to his, you know, home and he's uh, out hunting with his son here and their hunting dog. And right away, the dog, you know, smells something and goes running and barking. And then we hear, uh, you know, some rustling around and this and that. And all of a sudden he's like, Hey, what's going on? And, they see a wolf running away, and the wolf attacked this poor dog. Boy, is this awful. It, it really, I mean, so with these stories, you know um, what's going to happen, right? You know that, A, there's probably going to be a twist, or something really bad's going to happen to somebody, right? Well, mm-hmm. this, poor, this poor dog, you know, he's out with his, what, teenage son, the dog. The dog gets attacked, and... The panel with it, he's laying there. 
it's really mm. gruesome. I mean, you can see bone. The dog looks, you know, there's no pupils. So he, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's intense for a comic, you know, even, a, even a horror comic, it's pretty gruesome. Yeah, because like when Reza was threatening Halstead, he says to him, you too shall feel the punishment in a way far more agonizing. So, of course, my brain's like, oh, what's going to happen to this guy? Thinking yep. something's going to actually happen to him, you know, physically, mentally, like everything you can do, like, you know, push him till he's an inch away from death and then let him live and then push him there again. But, you know, we're going to find out that's not <laughs> that's not really what happens here, which is sucks yeah. for everybody else that's around this guy. You know, I mean, this guy's really the one that deserves to be punished, but he does get punished, but not uh, right away himself. But now this poor dog and they show them at the animal hospital and then there's the dog laying there and they had to amputate the dog's leg, which is awful. Yeah. And and, it, and even this, I mean, I think, all right, the dog, the, the vet's going to say he had to put the dog to sleep. No, it, it's an amputation. And they show mm. him he's tied down. You can see the, the, the leg that's been, you know, impacted. And, you know, as they're driving away, he says he's going to be there a few weeks. It's like they're really hitting this suffering in three or four panels of comic here. Yeah, and then Matt's driving with his son, and he says, he uh, his inner monologue here, he says, poor kid, I know it's not my fault, yet why am I blaming myself? It's like, uh, because it is your fault, you goon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's driving down the road. And he sees, you know, the uh, ghostly apparition of Reza in the middle of the road. And the kid says, Dad, look out. You're heading right for that car. So you can faintly in the panel see that there's something behind the ghostly apparition and its headlights. And the guy's just kind of hallucinating, I think. Or, you know, Reza's like using some kind of hoodoo. And he swerves to not do a head-on collision with the car and smashes right into the side of a mountain. And now, again, this this guy that he should be getting punished himself you know he goes to the hospital with his kid because his kid got hurt in the accident and now his kid has his arm amputated yep crazy I, it it is crazy because i mean at some point you know matt is gonna get it but mm -hmm. first the dog now his son and the what i did laugh the, the doctor said gangrene had set in <laughs> how long? How long had it, had it been? And anyway, but yeah, he's really getting hammered. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah, and he has a wife here, and so he thinks to himself: first the dog, then Pete. Raises curse was, I'd feel his punishment in a far more agonizing way. And he goes, now I know what he meant. So he's like thinking and thinking, and he says to the wife, like, "Hey, wife, I got to get you out of here because he thinks the wife's going to get hurt next." So and he does get a visit from, you know, the ghost of Christmas present here. Uh, Reza uh, visits him and says, protect her, meaning uh, Halstead's wife. He says, sooner or later, you will lower your guard even momentarily and I will strike once more. So he's like, oh, no, he's right. I can't watch her forever. You know, I need to, you know, outwit him somehow. Now, how he thinks he's going to outwit, you know, like obviously like a. I'm not a ghost, but a guy that, you know, has obviously some kind of supernatural power here. Not sure how this uh, solution of outwitting him was going to do. So it says the next morning and uh, the wife says, why did you want me to come here with you, Matt? You never insisted before. He takes the wife to, you know, where the oil wells are. And he says, believe me, Sally, it's for your own good. And he's then thinking to himself, if I told her she'd think I flipped when the time comes, 
I'll spring it on her fast. And I'm thinking, what is this maniac up to? So this is what he's going to do. He goes into the like, you know, like office or house or whatever that's there on the property. And he's at like a, a wood burning stove. And he's like, let's get out of here fast. And he's grabbing the wife and pulling her out. And he's like, he says, in a couple of minutes, the stove will explode harmlessly, but we're going to put out the word, you lost an eye or something. <laughs> and she goes, have you gone completely crazy? And he goes, it's the only way to trick Reza, to get him off our backs. And she's like, who's Reza? And then the building explodes. But some of the fire shoots out towards like where these oil, what are they, like oil derricks or something are they called? Yep. And yeah, he's like, oh no, you know, it's, it's, it's igniting an oil slick. It's going to reach the well and like blow everything up and he tries to like stop it but there's huge explosion happens and i love that panel where he's like yeah and the explosion and then the next panel you see him say reza and you see the guy's image in this fire and he says in the caption box reads in his final moment of consciousness matt halstead saw the frightening image for the last time so what did you think of this build up here i it was really really excellent i mean it it follows the, you know, the the standard storyline where the the main character um, seems to be going madder and madder. He's come up with this scheme, to, you know, that to say that his wife was hurt, hoping it's going to end <laughs> the curse. And it, you know, of course it doesn't. Um, and of course things uh, backfire on him. But it it's it's real well done. The die. I mean the it feels fast paced, you know, it feels like mm -hmm. he's really in a rush. And then like you, you said, those two panels where the, the oil derrick is, is going up and you see the ghostly face, um, really excellent panels. And the one where he's on fire, it's almost like something, uh, you expect him to turn into a superhero. If this were a superhero book, you know, this would be mm -hmm. the accident that gives him his powers. But, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I think it's well done. You, you can, you can feel the the urgency um, that Matt has of trying to resolve this in these what the ten panels or whatever it is, and mm -hmm. you just know the schemes. There's no way that this is going to work. So it's like you're just waiting for the well. How's this going to blow up in his face? You know. Yeah, and then we get you know two final panels where we're back at a, a hospital here, and caption box says months of slowly subsiding pain, months of burned rotten rotted skin turning to scar till finally and uh there's a woman at a desk looks like a nurse and you see uh i did it for you sally you never desert me you'll never desert me will you and she says of course not matt if i don't look after you who will and there she is pushing him out in a wheelchair and it looks like he's had both of his legs blown off an arm and an eye possibly as well yep yeah he, I, he's he's bald he looks like something out of the metallica one video yeah what he looks like yeah it's crazy <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself cool he got his but in the meantime a dog got amputated had an amputation and so did his son i'm like yeah. this isn't yeah, and, bad enough <laughs> and and now his wife has to take care of him you know because mm -hmm. he he can't do anything from himself for himself at this point so he's still suffering the effects of this curse and you know the things he did to this this poor razor Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it's not the the uh, the standard twist that you might get because yeah, he was cursed. This is what happened, but mm -hmm. um, it just it, they did a nice job with this. 
Mm-hmm. And there's one final caption box, and it says, Never again was Matt Halstead plagued by phantoms or curses, only by the terrifying memory of that torturous moment when Reza's revenge came to an unexpected end. So, <laughs> yeah, good story. I really liked that one quite a bit. It was pretty good. I, I did enjoy it. And, of course, like I said, the, the artwork in it, I do like uh, Ruben Yandok quite a bit, too. Yeah, it, I agree completely. The art was good. Um, the colors, the ink work, it, it, I enjoyed it all. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to the next one. Now, this one is a quickie. This one's only a three-pager, How Ugly the Face of Death. And it's, uh, once again, written by George Cashton. But this one has art by Alfredo Alcala. And that is a name I did know as well uh, heading into this because, again, he had done some work that I had seen from Marvel. Uh, I think uh, probably some Conan. I think for a while he had inked on Savage sort of Conan, maybe John Buscema. Or some, okay. yeah, I think I think that's who it was that he had inked on there. And some people are kind of sour on that because his inks are so heavy. You really can't see, you know, a lot of John Buscemi. You see more than you see more Alcala than you do him. But I actually kind of like it. It's uh, it's kind of like a nice change of pace with the artwork. You know, if you've been reading the regular series of Conan and then you're reading Savage Sword, you know, it's just it's just a, a good to me a good change of pace there. And not that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, John Buscema is one of my favorite artists of all time. Not that I was like getting boring or anything, but it, again, I thought it was interesting. It was not, I don't think it was bad. I think it's kind of fun to have it in there. Yeah. The, the, the art in this story, I was, um, I really enjoyed it. It's, it, it is heavy inks. There's big lines, but there's a, I don't want to say cartoonish because that makes it sound juvenile, but there's a look to this story that it's really kind of different but it, I, it was done really well yeah it's it's an interesting story a little more like kind of strange weird bizarre or even absurd but yeah it starts out with this guy running through the uh the, a little bit of a forested area here and he's like what's the use there's no place to hide and then we see two guys that look like they're dressed like the human bomb from the freedom fighters there. Mm-hmm. they're in these like suits of you know uh like they work at a, a nuke plant or something, and uh, the one guy says, "There he goes." And Wilson, please, we want to help you. And the Wilson, this you know guy that you can tell has been through hell here, he says, "No, you're, you'll wind up killing me like all the others." And he's like, "What if we do, you fool? If we let you alone, you'd be dead anyway." And you know, basically, what's going on here is this: it looks like there's like almost like you know there was like some nuclear war and some fallout here, and you know uh, this poor guy got caught in some of it, and his you know, feeling the effects of some, like, really, really bad radiation. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, these guys look like they're in radiation suits trying to help this guy who's got boils and missing teeth and, you know, pink skin with his veins, you know, his tendons are coming through because he's got <laughs> no no fat on his body. So it looks like mm-hmm. they're trying to save him from some kind of radiation poisoning or, you know, or something like that some chemical thing. Yeah. So they, you know, these, these two uh, guys in the suits do get him to a hospital and uh, they're like, we found him doctor. And the doctor says, hurry him to the operating room. And the doctor has gloves on and he's head to toe with, you know, like a, a gown, like a surgical gown and a mask over his face and goggles. And then two other doctors come in too to, uh, uh, you know, help operate on this guy to try to save him, according to what they're saying here. But, you know, they it, it, the caption box says within minutes, 
as a razor-sharp scalpel slits the skin. And this Wilson guy that's all mutated is like, ah, the pain, it's excruciating. And they say to him, we have no choice. Anesthesia of any sort would hasten the progress of your sickness. And he's like, you'll soon be unconscious. You'll soon lapse into unconsciousness. Keep telling yourself, I may be cured. I may be cured. And he starts saying that to himself. And then all of a sudden, he's laying there unconscious on the table. And the doctor says, report any change in his condition at once. And uh, another doctor or nurse says, yes, doctor. And then you turn the page. And here's this guy who, like you said, looks horrific. And he says, how long will it take before they'll know for sure whether I am or I'm not cured? And then all of a sudden, what's happening? And the progression on this panel to me is right to left instead of left to right. So I got a little confused here. I'm just like, what's going on? Did he change back and look, you know, like he was cured and then changed back to being mutated again? Like at first I had to like go over this a couple of times. What did you think there? Yeah, it's I don't know if it if it's it, it feels like it's in the wrong place because you're right. It, going left to right, it looks like he's better going worse in that mm-hmm. in the in the panel. So it 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 doesn't make sense for what's actually going to happen. Like I I don't know, maybe they were using the Marvel method and the the artist didn't understand what to do right there. It's mm-hmm. but it, it does look like a mistake. Yeah, so then that's happening, but I think the gist is they're trying to say he he's, you know, back to being more, you know, human looking uh right now. And one of the doctors runs out, doctor, doctor, his face is starting to change. And he, what? No, it can't be. And there's a panel that says, how awful. We were too late with surgery. It didn't take. Yes, his body is riddled with infection. In a few more days, it'll become contagious. All of us are threatened. We know we have no choice now. And you see this perfectly looking human being laying there on this table strapped down. You're thinking, what are these guys talking about? And then the doctors all take off their masks here and they're all mutated like he used to be. And they say, we must return him to the surface where he will live out his life as best as he can, along with the other incurables. <laughs> so what do yeah. you think of this? <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's it's the standard, you know, eye of the beholder, Twilight Zone story kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way through this, we don't see anything in the doctors other than their you know the hooded forms with the the goggles and the guys in the human bomb outfit so i mean it's 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 a pretty standard twist or Mm -hmm. you know what it what is now a standard twist maybe you know when this came out it was still kind of a, a a fun novelty this story itself i don't know it's 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 a little weak in 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 that sense Mm -hmm. um because even like so the, we talked about the panel that didn't make sense, but even the panel um, when they the the two guys in the human bomb outfits um, convince convince them to come with them. There's a bunch of normal looking people there, you know, mm-hmm. commenting on it, and it's like, well, what, what's going on here? That doesn't make any sense. And then yeah. you, when you know what the twist is, all right, then. But even then, it doesn't work real well in that panel. So this mm-hmm. story's, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's my least favorite of the three for sure. Yep. I'm right there with you. This one is definitely the weakest of the bunch. And I mean, th- a three page story, <clears throat> I feel like that's tough to pull off. 
for anybody, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. So maybe that had something to do with it. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, Cashton was told, hey, pal, you got three pages, you know, figure it out. And that's this is the best he could do. But, yeah, this is definitely the weakest of the three. I mean, there is a little uh, caption box at the very end there that says uh, incurable. Who knows what will be truly normal when some unknown, unexpected horror would transform men into grotesque distortions of themselves. And like you said, it's a, a bit of a Twilight Zone kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of story here. But three pages just isn't cutting it to get it done. That was just, yeah. yeah, not great. Yeah, and I, I agree. Three pages, it, it's 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 very hard to you know I mean, we're on issue 196 of this comic um and you know each each month in and out and these guys are trying to put together stories like this so yeah they're not all going to be gems but this one it, it felt like it had some mistakes or miscommunication so i think it suffers a little bit from that you know mm-hmm. if if it didn't have those if they weren't quite as noticeable, then maybe you would just focused on the twist. And yeah, it's fine. Otherwise art though is dynamite. I love the art in this one. Yeah. Um, I'll call us great. I mean, this, this dude is gruesome and the two close-ups when they're doing the surgery of his mm. face and his eyes are bulging and it's, it's twisted for sure. Yeah. Horror and, uh, you know, war books and stuff like that. I think Alcala was great. He was, he was one of the good ones. He even did the, I think he did. I don't know if it's the whole book or like the main story in a, one of the issues. I think it's a one of the giant size issues of uh, Man Thing. He did this crazy, like bonker story with Gerber. That's really awesome, and I love the way it's it, it's drawn by him. It's like you know, you get to see a a scene where Man Thing fights like you know a, a sorcerer, a, a Viking type guy, and then there's a third guy there too, and it's just. It's like crazy. It's a typical Steve Gerber story. It's bonkers, but you know, I'm sure it's some sort of morality play. But I remember Alcala's mm-hmm. arc being really, really good in that and really strong. That's where I saw him nice. first as well. Yeah. Nice. So all right. Well, why don't we move on to the final story in this one? And this one is called Five Miles to Midnight. And I do find it interesting that uh somebody that pretty much just always worked for DC their whole life, uh Apparently used a pen name here. It says uh, in the actual issue, it says story by Wesley Marsh. But when you go to, you know, any of the reputable sites, they credit Murray Boltonoff with the script. So I find that kind of interesting. I was like, mm, why did he not use his regular name here? Yeah, that that is odd. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. And then the art is by Lee Elias or Elias. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name there. But again, I had seen his artwork before as well i think he had been around since the golden age if i'm not mistaken and and done some like atlas era marvel uh, horror stuff too i think i saw oh. his work in some reprints and you know some of marvel's uh, uh attempts at the uh you know they had some books in the early bronze late silver early bronze age some anthology stuff and they would you know sometimes print like one new story and then a couple of reprints and that's definitely where i saw his name first hmm interesting yeah, this one's pretty cool. I like this one, and uh, I'm just going to read the quick little synopsis they have here on Grand Comics Database. It just says, uh, Angus Ferguson stages his death to see the reaction by his town when he passes and is disgusted that all celebrate his death except two strangers. <laughs> and that's kind of what goes on here. You know, that's it's pretty accurate here, but uh, there's uh, there's a reason for a lot of the weird stuff that happens in this one. But, uh, yeah, we, you know, this this story... Uh, I love how it does have this, you know, this uh, first page here, five miles to midnight. It doesn't look scary or anything like that. It's kind of just like in a you know regular font. But 
uh, you know, again, we have a, a caption box here, like a, a mysterious narrator here that says, it was a strange town with a stranger name where the strangest things would happen. And if James McRae and his son Donald could only foresee the horror which threatened to pitch the boy into the final abyss of madness, they would avoid walking the five miles to midnight. <laughs> and I love these intros like that. Those are so great. They are great. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I'm not as familiar with this title, mm-hmm. did Unexpected not have a um, a host? A, a host. I think at some points it did. I'll have to go back and look that up. But I feel as if, because it used to be called Tales of the Unexpected, and it was more like wacky, not so much horror, but more sci-fi kind of stories. And then at some point, mm-hmm. maybe in the early, like around issue 100 or something like that, it changed to this, you know, more horror stories with uh, just the unexpected. But I feel as if at one point it did, because if you notice on the cover, there's a, a host looking guy on the cover up there in the top left hand corner. Yeah, and that that's what I wanted. It was wondering, I mean, is that is that a character that's the host normally and they just didn't use him in this issue or? Because I, I, I was a little surprised when I read it that there wasn't a host, because that was pretty standard fare for this type of book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you figure, gosh, some of them even had three hosts, like the Witching yeah. Hour. That had those three witches in it that would, mm-hmm. you know, each kind of do a story. So I think it, it did at times, but I can't say 100%, but I'll, I'll definitely have to go back and check that out, because like you said, I pretty much thought all of them did. Yeah, but well, you're right. The, the, the intros are great. I mean, it... it it pulls you right into what um, sets you up for the story you're about to read. Um, with you know being a couple pages, you need you need that kind of thing, and these are certainly all well done. Yeah, this one's an eight pager. It's the longest uh, you know in the book, um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's a uh, they're in the the Scottish countryside, and you, like you know, like the intro said, there we see this uh, James McRae and his son Donald walking into this town. And he's like, oh, it's odd. There's nobody about. And the houses are all dark. And the little boy's like, oh, there's a church and a black wreath. And he's like, oh, the town must be in mourning. And the dad's like, all right, pal, let's go. We're going into this funeral. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, you just go to a town you've never been to before. And you're like, oh, look, there's a funeral. Let's go hang out. Like, wait a minute, dude. <laughs> that was kind of weird. That was the only part of the story that I thought was kind of weird. But you had to get them into this uh, funeral setting somehow. Yeah, and I agree that it does feel a little hokey. Um, just to say, oh, we're decent people, so we will go pay our respects. Mm-hmm. I mean, who who does that? But but yeah, I mean, the rest of the story it all it all works out really really well for the for the narrative. And I do love that bottom panel on this first page too, where it shows the funeral, and you see this huge casket and the guy in it, and he almost looks like he's mummified. And we're gonna find out in a minute he's not, but you know it. it it looks like the people are having a good time and there's the son and the dad at the door standing there aghast, like, what's going on here? This is a funeral. And they kind of say like, this is appalling, making a mockery of the dead. And the one guy says, a mockery you say tis more than that. It's a celebration. That's what. And another guy says, everyone's cheering the departure of the late, but unlamented Angus Ferguson. And another guy. And who should, better speed his cursed soul on its way than we three who knew the old skin flint best his chauffeur gardener and yours truly his browbeaten secretary and he's like here have a drink and no matter how much they say the old guy was a jerk you know 
uh, McRae and his son here, like, you know, that's that's still no reason to be celebrating somebody's death. And then all of a sudden you hear, halt, stop this foul merriment. And the old guy that's in the casket sits up. What did you think of that part? So the whole the whole setup here, you know, at the funeral, I figure looking at the, the panel the on the bottom of the first page that you're right was great. I figure this all right, it's a funeral. They're celebrating this guy's life. This is, you know, it's a you know, the kind of wake where you relived all the happy memories. I think that's what mm-hmm. the the, the picture is kind of supposed to convey. And then you yeah. get to the fact that nobody liked this guy and they're all celebrating that he's dead. And like, <laughs> yikes, that is tough stuff right there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he, he's obviously supposed to be this Scrooge like old man that nobody liked and they're all cheering that he's dead. So it's like, okay. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, and then he pops up, and it's like I did not see that coming. I didn't. Th- I didn't think that's where the story was going to be going. Yeah, he's like the Mister Burns of the DC universe. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, when he pops up, he looks really creepy with this shroud all around him, and you know, he basically says, "I wanted to test you to know how my death would be observed." And he says, "With mourners' grief or riotous revelry." and carousing because you all envied me and my money. So basically this guy's like, you were all jealous because I was rich and you're not like, and he's t- basically tells him, get out of here. He goes now out of my house, you heathen out. <laughs> and then he turns yep. to McCray and his son and is like, Oh, well, Hey, I want you to stay because you know, you were nice people and came in here and you know, you were good and this and that, you know, you weren't like the other people, but wow. On page three there, that panel, it's a, there's a, a long panel at the top, then two sets of three panels, and the third panel in the middle there to the far right when the old man is saying to the little boy, like, hey, I'm going to reward you, and here's a, a key to a safety deposit box in Edinburgh. And wow, the old guy, he looks literally like a zombie there. Yeah, that, <clears throat> and I, I mean, I, I think he's, we're supposed to think he's near close to death. But yeah, the the kid looks scared. He he seems to be recoiling. The old man, I mean, his his fingers are gnarled and his chin sticking out. His his cheeks are um, hollowed out. And yeah, it's it's creepy. Yeah, that's a really really good panel there. Like you said, the the old man and even the boy there too. But he he gives him this key and says, "Hey, take it, you know, and hit the road." Well, I guess the three people that worked for him. They maybe left the room, but they didn't leave the house or they just went right outside the house where they could still hear what was going on. And they heard this and they're just like, we had to put up with this old fart, you know, (laughs) being nasty to us while we worked for him. That money should be ours. So basically they wait for the guy and his kid to come out and they jumped at two of them. Now the kid gets away and runs away, but that leaves a father there to like, you know, you would assume take a beating from these three guys and the kid runs away. So we don't see the father and the three, you know, uh, disgruntled people here. And the kid's running and he's kind of lost and he doesn't know where he's going. And, you know, he goes back into the room where the old man was. In the meantime, though, you did see, you know, the three guys kind of beating on uh, McRae a little bit. But I'm just a little shady on this. Like, I don't understand. Like, the kid kind of started running away, but it looked like he just ran away into the middle of the house somewhere but somehow turned back around and got into where the old man was in the casket when he jumped up. 
And the little kid's like, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to hide. Oh, no, I can hear the men coming that are looking for me to beat up the father. So he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to creep into the casket with the old guy and hide in there with him. And I'm thinking, what? Like the old guy, you, this little kid thinks the old guy's just like, ah, eh, screw it. I'm going to lay down and take a nap here. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, all right. So I, I get that he got lost in this big <laughs> house, but it it feels inconceivable that he would climb into this coffin with this old man, even if. The guy's taking a nap, but why would he do that? You know, why would he go to sleep in the coffin? It, it's it's preposterous. Yeah, it's crazy. But, and I did forget to mention, as the kid is running through the house, he does make mention. He says, a shot. One of them put a bullet into my paw. So he did hear a gunshot, and he, you know, thinks, oh, gosh, they shot my dad. But that'll come into play here in a minute, right? <laughs> it will. And, you know, the first time I read through this, I missed that. Mm-hmm. So that when, well... When we find out what did happen, I'm like, <laughs> really? But upon reading it a second time, I caught that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, him trying to uh, get in this coffin, he thinks to himself, Mr. Ferguson's fallen asleep. He won't mind my squeezing in with him. And I'm thinking, you think a dude, even if he is really old, just fell asleep in a coffin and you're just going to squeeze in with him? I'm like, okay, this is getting creepy. Well, then those three dudes. I guess they, you know, feel like they knocked out the dad or something. And the one guy says, didn't you say you saw the tyke run in here? And the other guy says, so I did. But for the life of me, I can't fathom where he is. Because, of course, they wouldn't be thinking he'd be in the coffin. So the kid's in there and the kid says to himself, what's that sticky stuff oozing on my hand? And the kid goes, it's blood. Mr. Ferguson is dead. And you do see the red blood on his hand. And then there's the old guy laying there. And the, the caption reads, the full horror of the grisly fact rocked his mind, swept his body with sickening nausea. And then he's looking like, what am I supposed to do? Because, you know, he doesn't want to yell out because he knows those guys are out there. But, you know, you're a little kid. This is going to make you freak out. Now, the little kid climbed into a casket with an old man. So maybe it wouldn't freak him out as much as it would have like me at that age because I wouldn't have crept in with him anyway. But I just think, wow, this is crazy. And I, again, another caption box unnerving fear paralyzed him as he dared to glance at the skeletal visage, the fleshless lips of the corpse imprisoned with him. I'm like, wow, that's some good stuff. Yeah. Th- this kid's going to have some, uh, to deal with some trauma later in life for sure. Wow. I mean, this, this is, I mean, it's, it's bananas is what it is, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's described so, um, you know, so well, this, you know, the, the fleshless lips and everything, it, it, it works. Mm-hmm. And then the three guys are outside the coffin and they say, somebody might open the coffin and see the old gaffer was shot. And the other guy, I let's bury him right now in the back fields. So they pick up the casket and they're taking it out back. So you're thinking, holy crap, this kid's going to get buried alive. But then the three of these goons start arguing with each other. One pulls a knife out and says, Oh, I'm sorry. As they're carrying it out, they hear a cry from the inside. The little kid says, let me out. So they're like, put the coffin down. Well, they think it must be the old man. And the one guy basically is just like, you know, he gonna, you think he's going to pull his pistol out and shoot the old man again to kill him like all the way. And the one guy pulls a knife and says, no shooting. It may be her this time. I'll do him in. And he's going to get him with a knife. 
and says, maybe we have to take him out of the box and put you in. So then these two guys start fighting with each other. And one says, you dare threaten me, I'll blast you. And he shoots the other guy that's running away. And while all this chaos is going on, the kid, you know, creeps out, like opens the coffin a little bit and creeps out and starts running. And there's a scene on the very last page here. And this is so funny. The little kid's running through the forest here and there's this giant toad and there's bats and looks like an owl and everything else. And there's a caption box and it says, forgetting danger and direction. Donald fled through ribbons of low settling fog. Bats and night birds beat the air. Toads croaked their groaning dirge. <laughs> and all of a sudden somebody grabs the kid. And what happens then? Yeah. And it, and it's his father and <clears throat> you know, the, everything turns out. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's this is definitely comic writing of of the era for sure. You know, with these mm-hmm. long descriptions and these text boxes, the whole story is is um, contrived, maybe mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. But for whatever reason, I really liked it. I thought it worked really well because. <laughs> When it when it comes right down to it, this kid's about to be buried with with a corpse of an old man um, <laughs> that looks like a zombie, and that's pretty effing scary. Yeah, he looked like a zombie before he was dead. Now he's yeah. really dead and bleeding. He looks even creepier. But yeah, the dad says to him like, "Oh, hey, I, I didn't want to frighten you, but I didn't want you to cry out because he kind of grabs him with his hand over his mouth because he says, I don't want those three you know goons to know where we are.'" The little kid's like, oh, I thought they killed you. And he says, I managed to break loose from them. But the shot you heard, it was meant for old Ferguson. And he says, while they were searching for you, I found the telephone and summoned the constable. And then we get a panel here, the very last panel of the story. And, you know, we see him, the, the father pointing towards a light coming through the forest. And it is, it's a, it's a cop and he's on a bicycle here. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's really good. It, Real moody. Very moody, very moody. Because I mean, you have these these dark blue backgrounds, and the because it's nighttime in the woods, and mm-hmm. you know, those, the bats are you know chasing this kid. He he almost looks like he has five o'clock shadow in that one panel. <laughs> he does. <laughs> but the but the panel with where his father, where he realizes it's his father who grabbed him. I mean, it's sweet. The, yeah. The kid turns and looks at him, and his father's okay, and he's wicked happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get the explanation about the the gunshots and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it was nice because it doesn't, it didn't do the, like the, oh, the shocking twist or anything. It was just the story played out straight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this, the fact that this kid was going to get buried alive is. That's crazy. It, yeah. It, and it, I thought it, it, all the ridiculousness of the story just worked really well. Yep, and I, you know, I'll go on record and say this is my favorite of the bunch. And like I said, I can't really explain it because I did like what can be worse than dying, the very first story, quite a bit as well. But for some reason, I don't know if it's, you know, if it's the artwork. It just, you know, like I said, seemed very moody. You know, it was very dark, but you know, you could always see and tell what was going on. And then the creep factor with the old man. You know, playing dead, but then being alive, but then getting shot and killed, and a kid crawling in the casket with him because he didn't want to get caught by those three goons. Like, I don't know. It just, I really, really like this story. This was definitely my favorite of the bunch. It, my favorite of the three as well. I really like the first one um, mm-hmm. because the the 
the, the way the curse plays out and the things don't actually happen to him at first, I thought was a nice, nice way to do that. It, you know, it's, you're really building up to his suffering. Um, mm-hmm. But, but this story here, maybe it's because it's, it's not like every other um, story that you can kind of find in these things. You know, this is, mm-hmm. it's really different. I mean, I didn't expect the old man to, to get out of his casket, right? I mm-hmm. didn't expect the kid to get in the casket. And then I didn't expect the, 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 the corpse in the casket to be bloody. So all of it was like, I really didn't know what was going to happen next. And I think that's that's part of why it works well. But it, it is very moody. Um, the coloring on it is, I mean, you know, when they're outside and everything is blue and black and it's nighttime. It's yeah. very different from when the inside and the when they were in the mansion. Um, yeah, it's definitely the best of the three in the book. Yeah, this one definitely lives up to the name of unexpected because, like you said, you weren't expecting a lot of the twists and turns in that one. That's that's probably you know the reason why I really liked it best. But yeah, that first yeah. story I thought was pretty strong too. But mm-hmm. yeah, the second the second one, <clears throat> whether it was because it only was a three pager and they didn't have enough time to really do much or whatever the reason is, that one. Artwork great, but the story was pretty pretty weak on that one. It wasn't really that great, but you know the artwork helped pick it up a little bit. But yeah, definitely the first and the third story, especially the third, were the the gems of this one. Yeah, so you get three stories. The book was a quarter. Uh, two of them are home run stories. So you definitely got your money's worth on the book. Mm-hmm. Um, good art in all three. Um, excellent writing this is the comic kind of comic i like to read in terms of the writing styles um Mm -hmm. there's good creep factor you know the 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 pock ridden body you know guy in the um second story he's wicked creepy the old man the the guy razor who uh, puts the curse on matt all very creepy characters yeah Uh, so for it's a it's definitely a solid horror book yep and like you said too you see this cover you're gonna get this book even without opening it up because that cover is gonna really it really pulls you in it's a really creepy really cool cover mm-hmm. yeah definitely the, you know you, you got the big blue expected at the top but you know the two little kids in that coffin i yeah it's it, this this is a home run for me yeah this one definitely is a winner so Get out there and grab this one, and you can find it. You know, you find it in a cheap bin. Definitely grab this one. And, uh, yeah, so, man, the plan is you and I are going to talk about a bunch of these together. You know, hopefully House of Secrets, House of Mystery, Unexpected, you know, Witching Hour. There's some of them on the app. I talked about the very first issue of Witching Hour already with uh, Max from Weird Warriors Podcast, and we had a blast talking about that. I haven't read too much of those, just the ones that I have, and they're mostly the higher numbers. And I think they have most of the lower uh, numbers, like maybe the first 10 or 12 or something of that title. But that title's pretty good, too. But, yeah, we, you know, you and I are hopefully going to dive in on these uh, anthologies and uh, knock a bunch of these out because uh, they're really good stuff, right? Yes, excellent. I'm, I'm right there. Um, I, I agree. Witching Hour is probably the one, if you take the, the House of Mystery, House of Secrets, Unexpected, oh, there's Ghosts, too. Mm-hmm. But Witching Hour yeah. is probably the one I've read the least of. Um, and then unexpected. I don't have many issues of unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are. I, I again, if you tried to sit down and read twenty of these in a row, I'm not sure they would, you know, 
a lot of the tropes would, you know, you'd see them every other issue and it would get a little old, but just to read a couple in an afternoon here and there, Oh, they're gold to me. They're, they're dynamite. I love them. Yeah, very much. So, I mean, you read too many of them and then you start to be able to know exactly what the twist is going to be. But when you, when you just read a couple stories here and there, it's perfect. Absolutely. So, all right, my friend. So if anybody out there is looking for you, where can they find you and your work at? They can find me on comics, comics, comics.blog. Um, I haven't written anything recently, but it is still there. And then on Twitter at big ox, 737 that's where i'm most active on the social medias yeah and then uh you know also too you know uh, you're a part of super blog team up so anytime uh they have one of their uh events throughout the year definitely you know look for that hashtag and you'll be able to find some of uh jeremiah's stuff there as well right yep yep i do i do uh keep up with the sbtu for sure Yep, good group of uh, guys and gals in that one there. Good stuff going on there. So, again, always look for that one, too. So, all right, buddy. Well, thanks for uh, coming along with me here for this journey. Uh, this is going to be some fun stuff. We're going to talk more of these anthologies, and then <laughs> we're going to have to uh, talk about something we talked about a couple of months ago a second time because I can't find the audio file that uh <laughs> we had so we're gonna do a re-record on that one but hopefully we're gonna be able to uh uh coerce a, a friend of ours to join us so hopefully there'll be three of us on that one so we can have even more fun <laughs> yeah that'll be that'll be a good time and i certainly don't mind uh talking about that stuff again yeah it was good stuff hopefully around uh halloween time we'll have that come out and i mean this is a horror show because it's it's always halloween here but that one, I think, is a, an extra cool uh, uh, story and has, you know, a, a very prominent uh, figure character for the Halloween season. So hopefully we can get that recorded. I'll get that out by Halloween sometime and uh, we'll have a blast with that. But, yeah, definitely looking forward to more of these anthologies, man. And I hope you are, too. <laughs> I am. I am. Awesome. So, all right. Well, I'm going to take a break here quick and run a promo or a clip, and then I'll be right back to wrap things up. Abba Cookie, a munchy monster cookie. They're shaped like little monsters, and they come in six great flavors. With milk or lunch or as a snack, there's monster money on every pack. Six great flavors can't be beat. They're the only monsters people eat. Monster cookies, they're everywhere. that's going to wrap up this episode i want to thank jeremiah for being on again with me real good guy you know has a real love for comics in general but especially you know he's really having a blast with me with a lot of dc horror you know we're going to do a lot of different things he and i you know some dc horror more down the road and you know we're even going to try uh, doing some phantom stranger uh together it's it's going to be a lot of fun so definitely uh, look for him on uh, twitter and check out his blog you know give him some support and then definitely you know when uh super blog team up rolls around definitely search that hashtag and you'll find stuff uh, from him and a lot of other uh, good uh, content creators as well so definitely uh, check him out and uh, that uh, hashtag on twitter all right take care everybody